God's forgiveness through Christ is available to anyone who cries out to him. Um, mm-hmm. There's no choice that we can make that's too tragic that God can't forgive it. Uh, nothing can surprise him. Uh, nothing can cause him to turn his face away. He, he's seen it all. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and Tamar's story kind of, t- it's like he has seen it all. Um, you know, but the Bible tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, um, you know, the kind of the theme verse for um, the Tamar story is Isaiah 43, 1, which says, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Um, mm. Anyone listening here, it's like he knows your name. He's calling to you. He's drawing you to yourself and he will redeem anything in your past. Nothing is greater than God's power to forgive. You're about to finally accomplish something you've been waiting for and working toward. But then you get sideswiped again. Maybe your life feels like a perpetual Groundhog's Day with the sink full of dirty dishes and the unending pile of bills. Perhaps it seems like no one can tell you've done anything when it feels like all you've done is everything. This is a podcast for the defeated dreamer, the discouraged achiever, and the exhausted perfectionist in all of us. Imagine having a simple plan, a strategy to use in those moments when you feel like you can never accomplish what's important to you, when the things you are doing don't make much of a difference, and when you're wondering, do I even matter? I'm Sherry Fletcher, and I have so been there. But what I've come to understand is that God has a plan for your life, and the enemy has a plot against that plan. This is why you need a spiritual strategy. I'm glad you're here, and we're on the same team. So let's work on a spiritual game plan together. My guest today is Shadia Harishi. Shadia is a passionate Bible teacher, award-winning author, and speaker who stirs the heart and minds of her audience through personal story, illustration, and her unwavering confidence in the authority of God's Word. She holds her master's in biblical and theological studies as well as a master's in criminal justice. Shadia is the author of several Bible studies, including Tamar, Hagar, Legion, and Worthy of Love. She is also the recipient of the 2022 God's Word is Alive Award. Shadia lives in Northern California and is often invited to speak at churches, conferences, women's retreats, and other events. And she loves to visit the ocean every week for a date with Jesus. This month, I am bringing awareness to the sex trafficking. It is Sex Trafficking Awareness Month, but I wanted to add the importance of God's redemptive plan. If God could choose the Canaanite Tamar to continue the line through which Jesus Christ would come, can anything keep him from weaving your story into his redemptive plan? Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah, is the first woman listed in the lineage of Christ. She was mistreated, widowed twice, betrayed, and used as a prostitute. 
it seems impossible that God could redeem her story. But yet his plan of redemption was pre-written for all eternity. And as Shadia will point out in today's podcast, there is nothing that can get in his way. I am excited to introduce my friend Shadia Harishi to you. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for inviting me, Sherry. This is exciting and happy new year. Yes, happy new year. Yes. So, oh, can you believe already? <laughs> no, it's crazy. Are you one of those that does resolutions or do you do a word of the year or what do you do for the new years? You know, I've, I've, I've never kind of grasped either of those concepts myself, but I love the intentionality behind it. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I don't necessarily have, I, and I think it's because I know the word's going to change uh, or the, you know, the, um, you know, the goal might change. Um, but for me, for ne- for this year, um, you know, the, the big things on my plate are um, I have a new uh, book coming out. And so my, my heart is just that, you know, God's going to use it. Uh, to minister. And there, there's a lot that actually goes into that. <laughs> so um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a busy, uh, busy year, but um, I'm excited for the things that God has planned. That's awesome. So I have a question I ask everyone, and I'm excited to hear your answer on this. Looking back in your life, how far back can you see the very purpose that you're living out today in who you have always been? You know, um, I've never actually been asked this question before. So um, I was actually glad to have a little time to think about it ahead of time. <laughs> so I appreciate that you were sharing that. Um, it, it's just a great question. Um, you know, for me, I, uh, you know, I didn't become a Christian until I was uh, 30 years old. And so, you know, when I was pondering this question, I thought, well, that's such a great question. Like, how does my past, you know, play into it? And I think one of the things it's, it's kind of, it seems like it's just a benign little thing, but I would say the answer is puzzles. Ever since I was like, could walk, my mom, you know, discovered that I really liked puzzles and it became sort of a joke growing up that she could not buy them fast enough because I would, you know, finish them and she'd have to buy another one and another one. And I still enjoy them today. But looking back, I see that I'm just kind of, God is just wired my brain to enjoy looking at, you know, all the various pieces, figuring out how things work together. And, you know, when it comes to Bible study, it's, to me, I approach it like a puzzle. Like, how does, how does this particular story that I might be focusing on, because I love studying characters in the Bible, particular person in the Bible, um, and just figuring out, like, where do they fit in the big, grand, redemptive story of God? Um, and so just putting those pieces together, um, is a great joy, but it goes all the way back to being a little kid. I just like the puzzles and then seeing the big picture in the end. So I have a question then that I love to ask people as well. And that is, have you ever been thanked for something that you didn't even realize that you did well or that you were actually valued for? Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, a number of years ago, I went to my very, very first um, speakers conference, and it was mostly because, like others, were like, "You need to go," kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and um, you know, God like opened the door. Um, you know, somebody even funded it for me. It was just kind of one of those things. And I wasn't entirely. I mean, I knew at this point I had been called to write and communicate for the Lord, and I wasn't necessarily the kind of person that had stage fright necessarily. But I didn't really see myself as, as a speaker, but, um, 
they put you into small groups and which is nice because you get to know each other, you feel a little bit comfortable. And then you're supposed to prepare this five minute presentation in front of your, just your small group. So it gives you a little bit more courage, you know, to do it, even though it was scary. And so I prepared this presentation um, and I was teaching on uh, the story of Rahab because it was a Bible study I was writing. And I didn't really know, like I was, I was mostly like, I didn't know what kind of feedback I was going to get. I was like, don't ever do that again, you know, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> writing, I don't know. But instead, um, one of the women, I mean, all of them provided encouraging feedback, but one of them specifically said something I will absolutely never forget. She said, she came up to me afterwards privately and she, she just had tears in her eyes. And she said, you make me want to read God's word more. And I was just floored. You know, and she went on a little bit more like I just, you know, I just sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me and I just was moved by what you shared and so on and so forth. But I just walked away with like, what? I mean, I really can share a message that God gives me that makes someone want to read their Bible more. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that Yeah. as a Bible teacher, you know. And so I've never forgotten that. And it's been a tremendous encouragement. And it was very unexpected. Yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one too. So January is Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. And I wanted to not only bring awareness to the many different ways that people are so abused by this, Mm -hmm. but to also bring awareness to the God who redeems. Mm -hmm. And in your study on Tamar, you said it so perfectly. Tamar is an example of someone often overlooked, not only in the time that she lived, but in today's preaching and teaching. And in my notes, I like circled that word, like bold, overlooked, mm-hmm. uh, because for me, that seems what is at the heart of people who are not only trafficked, but a lot of people on this earth. And so I, I want to look back through the Bible at the people who have been overlooked, like Tamar, and you know we can discuss God's redemption plan. And Tamar, this is um, one of the Bible studies that you wrote in a series that you titled Behind the Scene, and that's S-E-E-N, which I love. I <laughs> mean, um, you call it Exploring God's Unsung Heroes. And I wrote in there, God's Overlooked Heroes. So tell us about this play on words and this series um, and why they are often unsung or overlooked heroes. Oh yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, the, the 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 title of the series came about um, kind of out of inspiration for the first book in the series, which is on Hagar. Um, you know, so many of us are familiar with the more you know, kind of the more famous people in the Bible: Abraham, Moses, and Esther. And and their stories are amazing and important. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Um, but for me myself, I've always found myself drawn to the characters you know, the characters in the background, the people kind of in the shadows, like that they're, they're involved, but you know, not on this, not on the forefront of our minds. And, you know, as I studied them, I, you know, I saw that they had an important place in God's story um, as well. I mean, in one sense, like we all know that we're all important to God. That, But what I'm saying is, their stories are just as important as the kind of the bigger names that we're used to studying. So, Hagar became this first, you know, unsung hero uh, that I studied. And her story became the inspiration for the series title, as you said, behind the scene, specifically uh, spelled or purposely spelled S-E-E-N. Not only because she named God the God who sees me, but this general fact that God had been there all along working in her life and in each one of our lives 
behind the scene, behind what we can see. And the same is true for, for all of these different, you know, characters in the Bible and for each one of us um, as well. And um, yeah, so I mean, I could share a little bit more about yeah. those studies or did you want to? Um, well, the, all the information on the studies are going to be in the show notes, but I yes. love how, you know, you picked some people that we, we've kind of known who they were, but we've never dug into where they played significant roles. And that's what I loved about this study. It's, it's so in depth. And one of the aspects that I loved about this study was leading up to where Tamar comes into the story and being able to look back and see God amidst the dysfunction in his own son's lineage. I mean, God himself, you know, his son's born into a dysfunctional family. It was so informative, especially through Leah and the unwanted wife of Jacob. And, um, how important was Leah's sacrifice in Tamar's story? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so Leah's story um, to me is both beautiful and heartbreaking. Um, but in the midst of her heartache, we, we, we read in her story that she finds the courage to give God praise. And I would call this truly a sacrifice of praise. Uh, in her story, after giving birth to three sons and still not winning her husband's love, this would be Jacob, she finally gives birth to a fourth son and she names him Judah, which in Hebrew sounds like the word praise. And, and it says that, you know, and so she gives praise to God. But if Leah had not had Judah, there would be no Tamar because Tamar enters the story uh, by Judah choosing her to marry his firstborn son, Ayer. So that's kind of how that uh, plays out and how the connection um, is in there. Yeah. And if, if anyone has the right to be bitter, it'd be Leah. But I love how, you know, for so long she worked so hard for Jacob's praise, but then she turns her focus to praising God. And yeah. that's what's just so beautiful about, you know, her story and all of these characters, I think. It, and, and the reason why I think we can relate to them, um, you know, I mean, I know I'm drawn to them. I've experienced so many heartaches of my mm -hmm. own. Um, as all of us have, I mean, for me, I, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, abortion, date rape, divorce. I mean, you know, just <laughs> that's a pretty awful list. But, you know, through those experiences and through these stories in the Bible, we learn more about who God is and how he never abandoned them and he never abandons us. Mm -hmm. um, each person is noticed by God and he and he cares um, yeah. for each one of us. And And your story gives you such a great perspective on God's redeeming love. Mm. Awesome. Yes. So in Christ's lineage, we also have Rahab the prostitute. I've always heard her called Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that if my name was Sherry the whatever right. sin I've done. Oh. oh, yeah. In Tamar's case, she was just called by name, Tamar. And um, what significance is there in that? And then share a little bit about her story. So, um, yeah, so that's a great question. So beginning with Rahab, um, the reason that in the New Testament, she's specifically called, I mean, she is introduced, obviously, in, um, you know, in Joshua as a prostitute. So, so we know what, what, her, what she was doing. But in the New Testament, as far as her legacy and her history, she's specifically referred to as a prostitute, not to bring shame to her, but actually to give glory to God, who 
looked past her past, looked past her profession, saw her faith and weaved her into the lineage of Christ because, um, you know, ultimately, you know, that's where her, that, that's where her value is seen, um, where she is written in the um, lineage of Christ. And what's interesting is, is in, you know, Matthew chapter one, when we're introduced to Rahab, that's the one place where she's referenced and she's not described as a prostitute. She's just, we're just, you know, given her name, you know, she was the, you know, father of, you know, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Um, so in the lineage, she's described just by her name, but throughout the New Testament, we're reminded of her background and it's intended to give glory to God. I don't think Rahab minded one bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, but so then we have Tamar and you bring out an important point. Um, Tamar is never, um, you know, first of all, she's never described as a prostitute because her one experience of disguising herself as a prostitute, you know, when you read the whole Bible study, as you've been doing, it's a part of a much bigger story. Um, and so, you know, Tamar is, you know, just try to do it very briefly, but she's, you know, she's tracked in this um, uh, relationship with uh, Judah's family. Um, and she sees basically no way out um, but to but to become a prostitute. She didn't become a prostitute in order to earn a living that way and to do it ongoing. It was a one time occurrence um, that enabled her to still carry on uh, a child for a Judas family. And I know the whole thing with him being a father-in-law is difficult. That's why, you know, I would encourage you to read through the study, understand Leverett marriage and what that means and why it happened this way. Um, but there's a beautiful thing about Tamar is not only is she not described as a prostitute uh, anywhere else in the Bible, um, but what, but you bring out something else that's interesting that I draw out more in the study Tamar is never once described as Canaanite. Now, she was Canaanite. Um, no scholar contests that. But she's never described as a Canaanite because very often the descriptum of Canaanites in uh, the Bible is, is, well, depending on the context, is clearly meant to be a spiritual sense. In other words, they're Canaanite in the sense that they are participating in idolatry and, you know, idol worship and, you know, all kinds of um, cult prostitution, all kinds of uh terrible things, child sacrifice, things like that. And so you want to distinguish between Canaanite as a nationality and Canaanite as a sort of a, um, an imagery of, you know, these, these people that were, that were against, you know, God. Mm -hmm. And so Tamar is never described as a Canaanite, but Judah's wife is. And when mm -hmm. Judah's wife dies, uh, this opens up the door for Judah to become a viable candidate for leveret marriage because Tamar had been denied her rights to produce a child by his third son, the first two sons being destroyed by God for their wickedness. And I go into that more in the study as well, what mm. might have been behind that. Very likely sexual sin for, the, for both sons. Um, but God sees can, Tamar as, as an individual. He doesn't lump her together in this category of Canaanites and certainly not prostitutes, because her act of prostitution with Judah uh, was an act of desperation absolute desperation. Um, and it uh, doesn't mean that it was the right decision. I'm, and I'm not saying that it is or isn't. Right. Um, she saw no other way out. Um, but anyway, like I said, you, to go into the study to get more details about Absolutely. that. You know, I, and I could be wrong, so correct me, but this just came into my head when I was listening. It was um, God 
with that union, however it happened with her father-in-law, that's the one God blessed. Isn't yes, ex- exactly. Is is that just astounding or what? Yeah, um, it, it really is an incredible story, um, and there's so many layers to it. As you and I were chatting about before we started the broadcast, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a very rich story, um, very much woven into God's bigger plan of redemption. But here's another beautiful picture um, about Tamar and regarding the name, uh, just to give another contrast. And again, I go through this in more detail in the study. But Judah's wife is never named personally. Uh, we know the name of her father. She's the daughter of Shua. So Bath Shua, Bath means daughter in Hebrew. So it's not a name. Um, but so she's, you know, we're never given her name, but we're told she's Canaanite. Tamar, we know she's Canaanite, but we're never told that she's never described as Canaanite, but we are given her personal name. So we have mm-hmm. that, we see that personal, uh, intimate connection um, regarding Tamar and her story. I like that. Well, I have spoken with women, um, just a few that have actually been in the sex industry or have one has actually been trafficked and one common desire. And I I think this is amongst us too, not just women that have had this unfortunate um, situation, but the common desire is to be loved and to belong. And in Leah's story and Tamar's story, you say that there's nothing more tragic than desperately trying to earn someone's love. I mean, I circled that too, because what were some of the the dramatic choices then? And you just touched a little bit on them, but some of the dramatic choices that Tamar had to make um, because she needed that acknowledgement. She needed, um, you know, to be relevant. And how do you see women possibly making similar choices today? Oh, wow. These are fantastic questions. Um, yeah, so Tamar was placed, truly, she was positioned in, a, in an impossible situation. Um, you know, first God strikes uh, Judah's firstborn son, Ayer, and then his secondborn, um, Onan. Both were married to Tamar, uh, and God strikes him dead, both for their wickedness. Um, n- neither husband, um, Tamar did not conceive a son by either of these uh, sons of Judah. And so she's childless and she's widowed uh, twice. And uh, and again, I pointed out, you know, the, the, and these sons are destroyed for being wicked. That's that's a pretty significant pronouncement, you know, um, to be struck dead. So we see in one hand the wrong path Judah's sons are heading. Uh, and at the same time, we see God's protection over Tamar. Uh, because the events happen very quickly, I, I work through the Bible study a very you know a timeline so we can get a kind of a sense of what's you know how much time is involved here. Because Tamar was very young, uh, we were able to do some math and figure out she probably married the firstborn at maybe age fourteen at most, wow. um, so you know around there. So she's very young. So the two sons die, and so Judah then you know her father in law tells Tamar that his last remaining son, Shalah, would be given to her in marriage. Now, this was part of the Leveret uh, marriage custom at that time, um, which was very common because a a wife was, in a sense, purchased by the family. So in other words, she's attached to that family. And, you know, and Judah would have to, you know, really um, declare a divorce of some kind in order to get rid of her in a sense. Um, so she's kind of stuck there. And so he promises her her third, his last and only son, 
But the scripture makes it very clear that he has no intention of giving his son to her. So he basically betrays her, abandons her, and lies to her. She has no husband and no children. She's sent back to her father's house. And in that culture, she would have just been a burden uh, to her family. And to make matters worse, uh, Judah's betrayal leaves her stuck. Um, You know, she's still like, there's still this this deception saying, you know, I'm going to come back for you for the third born. So in other words, she's not free to marry someone else. She's not, you know, free to go anywhere else. So she is kind of perpetually stuck in this position um, of having no husband and no children. And, that, and in that culture, in that day, that was practically a death sentence. Um, and, and she's very young. So at this point, after the two sons, she's maybe 15 or 16. Um, but then something very interesting happens in the story. Uh, and, and in fact, it's the entire turning, sport, turning point um, of the chapter. The whole story appears in Genesis chapter 38. Judah allows, excuse me, God allows Judah's wife to die. And so suddenly, uh, just after Judah abandons Tamar as a childless, you know, widow, lies to her, suddenly Judah is widowed. And therefore, under the Leveret marriage custom, he is now a viable candidate because Leveret marriage custom was not limited to the brother of the deceased husband. It was commonly performed by the brother, um, but it's actually the closest male relative. So it can be an uncle. It can be, you know, I mean, father in law would not normally be the first um, because of that relationship. But Tamar found herself uh, in a desperate situation. And so she disguises herself as a prostitute, waits by the roadside, um, and Judah solicits her. That's another key point in the story. Um, she doesn't approach him. She doesn't say anything to him. She allows him to make all the choices. Um, and in the Bible study, I point out an important fact that seems very benign, but they're important where it says he turned aside to her in the road. And what that means is it's an inclination, not just in the physical sense, but also in the heart sense. In other words, he was going in one direction. Now he's going in another direction. And so he's making more poor choices. Um, and so he solicits her very, very boldly and clearly like, you know, give me sex. <laughs> um, and so she conceives, uh, by her cha- her father-in-law. And here's another aspect where you see as, as odd as it seems for us, as difficult as it seems for us, you know, she's doing this out of desperation. There's no other explanation. Um, you know, and none of, and heart, we can almost have find it difficult to imagine to be that desperate, but we didn't live in her culture and her time. Um, And so this was her only hope uh, of being restored to the family and having a part uh, in the family. And she would have been well aware also of God's blessing on, uh, you know, Abraham's line. Like she, she would know that these were the Hebrews, these are God's people. Um, And so it might maybe difficult for us to understand, but God did bless Tamar with a child. Um, and the interesting thing is, is God withheld that from her marriage to both Iyer and Onan. So we we see God's, you know, God is the one that opens and closes the womb. He decides what child, you know, a child's going to be conceived or not. And so he allowed her to conceive. In fact, she had twins and he places her in the lineage of Christ. I mean, it is just an astounding, astounding. And I feel like I just gave you a few brief highlights, like we didn't even get into <laughs> The connections between Noah's flood. I mean, there's just a lot. There's just a bigger, bigger pictures going on. But 
I, I love her resilience oh. and her, and she's brilliant. Um, yes. but yeah. Um, but you know, I, you hadn't finished answering the question, so I cut you off. Sorry, but I just thought I'm like, for being so young, I mean, she's, she's a smart little gritty gal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but again, how, how, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you, you're right on. I was just going to say that, you know, she, she could have responded in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, she could have spiraled into despair. Yeah. She could have became bitter and vindictive. You know, yeah. she could have, you know, ran away with some other man. Um, you know, and, 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 and in another sense, God even protected her from her family who could have, we have no indication they would have, but could have, um, you know, sold her off as a cult prostitute because that's pretty much all she would be able to do to produce income for the family. And I know it sounds awful, but that's, you know, like we're talking about sex trafficking, that's the reality. Yeah. Um, and so God, um, you know, steps in all that. And, you know, earlier you asked, you know, as part of the question, you know, um, you know how do you see women today making several choice, similar choices? You know, and I think all of us find ourselves in desperate situations at one time or another. Um, yeah. You know, apart from knowing Christ, you know, all of us can make poor choices. Um, you know, and the, fir the first Bible study I wrote is actually called Worthy of Love. Um, and I share in that story, in that study, um, my personal story of the tragic choice I made as a teenager by having an abortion. I was 15 years old. Um, but you know, God forgives God's forgiveness through Christ is available to anyone who cries out to him. Um, mm -hmm. there's no choice that we can make that's too tragic that God can't forgive it. Um, uh, nothing can surprise him. Um, nothing can cause him to turn his face away. He, he's seen it all. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, tomorrow's story kind of, it's like, he has seen it all. Um, you know, but the Bible tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, um, you know, the kind of the theme verse for um, the Tamar story is Isaiah 43, one, which says it's talking, it's talking about Israel in general, but we, but we can um, extend it to the understanding of God's view of all his people, where he says, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Um, mm. Anyone listening here, it's like, he knows your name. He's calling to you. He's drawing you to yourself and he will redeem anything in your past. Nothing is greater than God's power to forgive. You know, the, the enemy's number one goal is to distort our view of God's love, of his redemption and, and salvation. And the, one of the ways that he does this um, is through, you know, the movies, the media, all the stuff we see out there. And I loved when you were sharing you know, the view you had from pretty women. Um, I'd love if you'd give a little glimpse of that view, but also, you know, how do, how does the media and movies and stuff like that distort God's actual love and redemption for us? Yeah. Um, a great question. So that movie, um, you know, I, that used to be one of my favorite movies, you know, years <laughs> ago. And, and it was only after I became a Christian that I started to recognize, wait a minute, you know, her savior is her customer. I have oh warped is that in mm -hmm. the, you know, when you, when you compare it to, you know, our savior, you know, who, who redeems us and gives us worth and value um, versus, you know, a customer yeah. who wants to use us. Uh, it's just a very warped picture 
Um, and I think it's just one of those warped pictures out there. Um, but there's, you know, but we're, but we're nonetheless, we're attracted to those stories because we all want that worth. But, you know, the, 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 the route that it took in, in that particular movie's case is very distorted. Um, and this grieves God's heart uh, because he wants women uh, and all of his people to be treated with dignity and respect and, and, and worth um, and not to be used. Um, and so, you know, God, God's, you know, aim, like for, you know, tomorrow's story, God's aim in giving us her story is to teach us no one's beyond redemption. Um, even our own, you know, choices, which may be misguided at times, you know, these will be redeemed for his holy purposes. Um, but God, he's very much, uh, you know, grieved by this, this distorted view in our world of what this all looks like, love, redemption, salvation. Um, yeah. It just, it just draws us away from, from, from the true character of God, as you, as you said. Yeah. And it, and I love that movie too, but it's sad that our society is being so molded by those, that concept. Yeah. Um, so you share that, you know, God's character compels him to respond with love and compassion towards the broken and the hurting whether they are broken by sin or circumstance there there's just there's so much you know grace in that concept that we are broken sometimes it is by a choice we made but sometimes it's by a circumstance and it's just his character is compelling him to that grace i love that so you know as we close our time what was what is God's spiritual game plan to unfold his redemptive plan for all of us through the story of Tamar? You know, his, his entire story is, is, is redemption. Um, you know, the fact that we, that, that Tamar is listed in the lineage of Christ, um, despite all that she experienced, all the, the choices that she made, um, you know, none of this got in the way of God's desire uh, to bless her, redeem her, restore her. And even of all things, I mean, the highest honor we can imagine to be listed in the lineage, uh, mm. you know, of Christ. And, th- and this also reveals to us that at some point in her life, she embraced the God who redeems her, you know, he, the God who redeems me. Um, that, that's who he is. And her story is just a glorious picture of that, and it's just one because each of our stories, as we surrender to the Lord, um, every one of our stories is a story of God's redemption. Yes, Amen. That is beautiful. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and for taking time out of your day and for working with me in some tef- technical difficulties. Oh, no problem. <laughs> you, you mentioned right at the beginning that you're working on a new book. Uh, is this a new series? Is this a, a book or another study? Oh, well, um, so right now I am writing a study on uh, Rahab. So okay. she is the next woman listed in the lineage uh, of Christ. So we are going to be continuing this kind of behind the scene unsung heroes series because, in a, you know, she's sort of an unsung hero. I mean, she's honored in the New Testament for sure, but in her lifetime, this would have been a very odd, uh, you know, yeah. I think people would have been very surprised if someone had been walking around uh, <laughs> saying, hey, guess what's going to happen? You know, like, yeah. no believed it. Um, but yeah, so I'll be sharing sneaks, sneak peeks from that Bible study to my um, email community. 
Yeah. And, and people that are in your email community, there's some other great resources that you have for them as well, right? Oh, yes. Um, I share uh, a variety of resources. Um, I have, you know, when people sign up for the email list, they get um, seven ideas to just refresh your quiet times. Like if you just need some fresh ideas, just a different, different approach um, to, to kind of just breathe fresh life into your quiet times with the Lord. Um, one of my favorite resources I offer uh, in, is um, a practical tips for planning a Sabbath date with Jesus. Um, you know, my, my friends kind of joke because every week I have what I call a, a Sabbath date with, with Jesus. Um, and so people have over the years like, well, what does that look like? So I created this resource um, to help you. And then there's a variety of other um, things that you'll get uh, when you sign up for the email list and video sessions for free and uh, scripture cards, just a bunch of fun stuff. I love that. And I, um, I grew up uh, a seventh day Sabbath keeper and Sabbath was always, um, to me, it's just a day to have a delight, just a day to mm. stop and just focus. And I love that concept, the Sabbath date with Jesus. <laughs> awesome. So that'll be a blessing to anyone that signs up for your email. So thank you so much. Um, close this off with, a, with, what is your, you know, what is your website? Where can they find you? Oh yeah. <laughs> I should remember that. Right. Um, so uh, my website is shadiaharishi.com, but I know that's hard to spell. So <laughs> if you're, if you're only listening and you don't have access to the links or you don't have an ability, you can go to tamarbiblestudy.com. It'll bring you right to my website and then just look for the freebies page on the, you know, the resources freebies and uh, you can sign up there. I'd love to connect. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and for this amazing study. I appreciate it very much. Oh, it's been an honor and it's been a lot of fun having this conversation. So thanks for having me. Imagine shifting your focus off of the hard work of trying to prove yourself to the joyful life of knowing your worth. When you join my email list, you will get the free mini guide. One simple way to know you matter today. It is my prayer that you'll be reminded daily of all the ways you matter more than you know. So head on over to SherryFletcher.com, click Join Sherry at the top of the screen. Already a subscriber? Enter your info anyway to get the new mini guide and you will not get multiple emails. Did you know that you can help others start a spiritual game plan for their lives when you leave a review? and share this podcast. It helps me reach others. I do love hearing from you and I want to know how I can serve you in the best possible way. So be sure to subscribe to the emails and leave reviews. Thank you for tuning in to your spiritual game plan, the podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday.